0: The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Antony Reich. Antony Reich, apologies, we've come to you a little bit late this morning. How are you doing? tov. yes, a lot to talk about. Um, A a few little snippets as as usual. Um, Even though the number of casualties that the IDF has been suffering in Gaza has reduced significantly, and of course we're delighted by that, unfortunately we still do have casualties and unfortunately the war in gaza continues to be extremely dangerous um and uh, one example is major david shakuri he was 30 years old and he was the deputy battalion commander in the engineering corps um when he was killed the day before yesterday and the 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 piece about the story which really got hold of me and which really struck me was that um his wife Daphna was talking about him um, and about their 14-year-old baby, 14-month-old baby girl who has been left behind without a father, telling how amazing, um, how much of an amazing father and husband he was. Um, but Daphna is also an officer in the IDF and so I cannot imagine how difficult it would be for her knowing all that she knows, because let's not forget that she would be exposed to a lot of information that we as ordinary civilians are not exposed to. And I'm sure that she knows a lot more about what happened in the circumstances around his death than than we do. Um, But she, she was talking about being in touch with him on the morning that he was killed and she says we spoke this morning over WhatsApp. I wrote him yesterday to see if he had eaten and if he was cold. This morning, I told him I was having a hard time. I knew he was in battle in Gaza. I never believed anything bad could happen to him. Mm. Hours later, when I was in my base, I was informed that he had been killed. And. Even though they were both serving IDF officers, um, she was worried about him having eaten and how cold it was because obviously we have had very, very uh, cold and wet weather. um, And that was really what she was concerned about more than anything else. And of course, um, our hearts and our sympathy go to Daphna and to Yali, their 14-month-old baby girl who has lost her father and to the rest of their family and of course to all of the families around um, our soldiers who have been killed, those who have been injured and of course the civilians as well. Um, Just another little piece uh, surrounds the visit of U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken to Israel and yesterday he was uh, giving a speech or he gave a speech um, in Tel Aviv and it was interesting for me what his headline was. Um, he had met during the day, as I mentioned yesterday, had met during the day with members of the uh, Israeli government and also with the IDF of Chief of General Staff Herzl Levi. And then he went on to say, "Israelis were dehumanised in the most horrific way on October the seventh. The hostages have been dehumanised every day since then. But, and of course, the big but always comes along, right? But." that cannot be a license to dehumanize others so he was effectively being quite critical of the way in which this war is being engaged by the IDF and he had to say that um we cannot use what happened on october the 7th as an excuse or as a license or as a justification to dehumanize others and he went on to mm. say that he thinks that the civilian casualties are too great and he thinks that most of the people in gaza uh, are really innocent civilians we've had that discussion before about to what extent there really are so many innocent civilians of course there are innocent civilians but one wonders to what extent those innocent innocent civilians weren't somehow engaged or forced to be engaged or involved or knew of activities of terror that were going to be carried out, that are being carried out, that have been involved in uh, keeping the hostages. We, we heard stories about some of the hostages who had escaped their captors and then were turned back in to the captors by civilians in Gaza. These same civilians that we keep talking about, the innocent civilians, they were the ones who made sure that the hostages were not able to escape from uh, being helped in captivity. And when we think about um, Anthony Blinken's comments about civilians, about casualties, um, it makes me wonder how we can really compare objectively what's going on in Gaza with other measures, because we also see the U.S. government now carrying out um, retaliatory strikes against those in Iraq, in Iran, who were responsible for killing those three US soldiers, and dozens of people have been killed in the process of retaliation. And those retaliatory strikes are continuing to this day almost a week or more after um, those US soldiers have been killed. So, so is that proportionate? Are we mm. allowed to use that word mm. in the context of the US response? Um, and um, there are two things that I'd like to say. First of all, I read a very fascinating article in the Wall Street Journal, It was an editorial article, and it quoted um, a a chief urban warfare studies person at West Point Institute, the West Point Modern War Institute, which is the U.S. military training um, uh, facility. Um, And uh, this guy by the name of John Spencer talks Mm -hmm. about how the IDF are carrying out the war in comparison to other objective wars that have been carried out that he could use as an objective measure and he talks about the war that was carried out um in mosul against isis and he says that that war in 2016 17 took nine months nine months he says it was one battle in one city against between three and 5,000 militants who had limited defences. And then he compares it to what Israel is doing, fighting multiple battles in seven cities against 30,000 militants with military-grade underground cities built in civilian areas. And he feels that the way that Israel is that this war effort has been amazing. The achievements have been amazing. The way that the civilians have been managed has also been very, very admirable and compares very favorably with what happens elsewhere around the world. And so he tries to use an objective measure to try to compare to what the IDF is doing. And I think that this is very useful because we have no way of really assessing how well or how badly our IDF soldiers are doing. But when you hear this guy, who's an independent assessor, who's a military expert and who's able to draw on information that we just don't have access to at the tips of our fingers, I think it's very, very instructive and very interesting for us to read that. And it also reminds me of an interview that the US human rights lawyer Rebecca Hausdorff did with um, one of the TV networks where she talked about the number of civilian casualties that suffer in wartime situations. And she had uh, statistics Uh, ratios that she could pull from various other conflicts have been carried out how many civilians were killed as opposed to how many operators military operators terrorists call them what you will how many of those have been killed and she claims that in the gaza war the number is extremely low in comparison to other conflicts where civilians have been uh, victims of war she says that in gaza relatively speaking to other conflicts these numbers are incredibly low when you compare them to the number of military operatives that are being killed so i think we need to bear all of that in mind against the backdrop of some of this criticism that we are forced to endure indeed the hostage deal or for whatever it really is because it's very very hard to try and understand what is going on what happens next well, um the prime minister has rejected the um response that came back from hamas um, the response by the way was extremely detailed and, and for those people who haven't had a chance to um, register what hamas has demanded um there is like a 10 point response that has come back from uh, hamas which is um in my view and I suppose in the view of many others, extremely unreasonable. Um, they, they demand, first of all, a full ceasefire and they demand complete re- uh, release of all Palestinian prisoners. So it sounds as if though this was a response that was drafted very, very cautiously in order to make sure that it gets uh, rejected that sorry, it wasn't a 10 point response. There were 18 points in the Hamas response, including details of how much diesel should be supplied to Gaza and how Israel must be forced to supply water and electricity to Gaza and how infrastructure should be um, uh, rebuilt and how many tents should be allowed in to Gaza in order to house the refugees. Um, Very, very detailed response. Um, but ultimately not reasonable and the prime minister has said he thinks that any reasonable person would reject the re- this response it seems to have been a fairly easy thing to say no to even though we understand the consequences and the consequences are unfortunately that israelis remain captive in gaza as a result of rejecting this deal but the deal seems to be way way beyond anything that uh, we could even begin to consider. And to be fair, even the U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, said that there is no possible way to consider the, or to accept the deal as is, although he did try to encourage some negotiation around some of these points. But to be honest with you, it's difficult to see where we can begin to negotiate because the, the, the requirements are so unreasonable. Um, where to from here? I think it's just more of the same. We just need to continue to pile on more and more military pressure in the hope that that might well break some of the Hamas resistance and they might wish to come back and say hang on a second we now wish to come back with a response Mm, that mm. is more reasonable and that that can be considered and that is um, something that uh, we could uh, aspire to because this response the 18 points that they've sent back um, seem to be just uh, built for a no answer. Yeah, it's uh, just so sad because it's so difficult, obviously, for the families of the hostages. The IDF has been ordered to begin operations in Rafah. Now, what does this mean? Well, there are a few things which I think are leading to this. First of all, the Prime Minister said the IDF needs to begin its operations in Rafah. Whether the IDF might have already been operating in Rafah, I'm, I'm assuming... That there have been some operations in Rafah already, albeit you know not quite air strikes and things like that that could potentially risk the civilian population. But we did hear that the work in Khan Yunis is almost done, and that some underground tunnels have been found with what we would call in the wild fresh spoor, which means it seems as if though there were Hamas terrorists and potentially hostages in those underground cages in those tunnels in the quite uh, not in a not too distant past it seems like there's evidence that people were there quite recently and it makes us feel as if though they had felt the uh, oncoming uh, idf invasion of that area and they had managed to escape almost at the last moment before the soldiers actually came to this area And all of that means that there must be somewhere nearby. They can't have gone too far away given the circumstances. And so it seems to us that the um, Prime Minister is trying to take advantage of the situation and saying, keep going, don't stop where you are, don't allow them to get too far away from where you are, because we've got a, a relatively fresh trail that we could potentially follow up. Of course, operations in Rafah come at a massive price there is a huge refugee population in the Rafah area and it's not clear exactly how we're going to clear those civilians away from that area just going back to some of the comments made by Anthony Blinken how we're going to be able to clear the um, civilians away from that area before the military operation begins one thing is quite clear is that we will not be able to continue our military operations without support of the air force and that comes Um, only when civilians can be cleared out. So that seems to me to be the next challenge for the IDF is to how to get rid of the civilians in Rafah and then clean out whatever is the military infrastructure in that area. Anthony Reich, that's all we have time for. Wishing you a fantastic weekend, a peaceful one, a Shabbat Shalom. And we'll catch you on Monday morning. That's Anthony Reich with the Israel Report. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohn from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Tzahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all.